your seats. Amen. How many of you are excited to be here tonight? About seven people. How many of you are excited to be here tonight? Amen and amen and amen. Um, I wanted to shake things up a little bit tonight because the reality of it is, especially in this ministry, the craziest part is, is we can become so accustomed to the move of God that we literally become dull to the move of God. The reality of it is, is you can literally be so in the presence of God so continually that you lose the awestruck wonder of who he is, what he's about, and literally we begin to take it for granted. And so tonight I contacted um, Minister Stephanie McFadden, who's our, our minister of music, and I just told her, I said, it, call me crazy, but I got a PK moment for you. I said, I want to totally shift service. I want to take worship and put it at the end. I want to take the word and put it first. And the reality of it is, is because of what I am teaching on. Over the last couple weeks, there has been something that has been resounding from me in constant conversation with people when I'm talking about Dominion Church. Dominion Church is a presence-driven ministry. Unlike most ministries in the area, I would say that there is an actual hunger here of people that say, give me the presence over programs. Give me the presence over gifts. Give me the anointing over talent. Give me people that know the glory of God, know the presence of God, know the power of God. The presence of God drives our services at Dominion Church. We are a presence-driven ministry. Everything is contingent on the presence of God. What is God doing, not now, but right now? And literally being a, being a spirit birth ministry that comes in here with an understanding that we're like ships with sails. We throw up the sail and we wait for the breath of God to blow on it. But the reality of it is, is many times I think we come in here and, and we literally come in with an idea, okay, this is the part where I put up my sail, now the breath of God blows and it's all great. And literally what we do is we become so accustomed to it, we lose the awestruck of it. And my great, one of my greatest prayers for our church is one, that it reflects the heart of God, but two, that we grow in our passion of worship of who God is. Because the reality of it is, is we all worship something. Worship is something that, that is, is literally just an adoration. It's a celebration. You want to see some really good worship? Go to a Clemson football game on the national championship. Watch. You, you want to see some really good worship? Go to some of these concerts that are packed out with 30 and 40,000 people, and you say, well, Pastor, I don't know about your theology. No, let me tell you something. Really good worship, bad God. Really good worship. They'll paint their faces. They'll beat their chest. They'll hoop. They'll holler. They'll shout. They'll cheer. They'll dance. They'll hold up their phones and wave the lights. Really good worship, bad God. But sadly, in the church, I think the, the, the real problem is, is we got a really good God, but really bad worship. 
See, I think if we're not careful, we come in contact with the one that's worthy of us painting our faces, that's worthy of our highest shouts of praise, that's worthy of all the adoration that this this life has got to give. He's the one. He's the king. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the redeemer of our soul. He's the savior of our lives. He's He's the prince of peace. He's the great counselor. He's the bright and morning star. He's the day star. He is the great I am. In him is everything and in him we have everything but the reality of it is is we come in and we offer really bad worship we'll stand there while worship's going on and we'll begin to critique things like ah that microphone just cracked why is there not a keyboardist tonight I'm, I'm, I'm teaching hear me We'll begin to critique elements of worship, but the problem is, is what we don't realize is worship was never about us. And the moment that we begin to make worship about us is the moment that we begin to step on the grounds of idolatry. Idolatry is worship of something other than God. Go to your Ten Commandments and thou shalt not have no other gods than the Lord your God. He's the only one true God. But the reality is, is anything that takes our focus off of Him and puts it on it is is subject to becoming an idol in our lives. Now hear me, one of the greatest idols in our lives is ourselves. Because we get in a moment, we get in a service, and we begin to critique, we begin to criticize, we begin to talk about, we begin to moan, we begin to focus more on the problem than the problem solver. And the reality of it is, is what we're doing is we're literally setting up idols, setting up bad gods in the midst of the only one and true and living God. Why did I come before you tonight with the word before worship? Because I'm here to kick over idols tonight. So that we can have real unadulterated, pure, true worship. See, because John 4 and 23 says, yet, the, yet a time is coming and has now come. Everyone say, now come. Now. Say, now come. Now. When the true worshipers, everybody say, true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worship, the worshipers that the Father seeks. Notice what God was seeking. It wasn't public speakers. It wasn't charismatic leaders. It wasn't good instrument players. It wasn't gifted administrators. It was not the best looking. It wasn't the best style. It wasn't the ones that had the most followers on social media. What God is looking after, what God himself is seeking after are those that worship him in spirit and in truth. True worshipers. Worshipers that understand who he is and understand that his presence is everything. And in the fullness of his presence is the fullness of everything we need. God is seeking after true worshipers. When? Now. Right now. There's never been a greater time in the earth for true worshipers to arrive. There's never been a more needed time of people to get totally sold out, totally abandoned, totally lost in their worship to God. Because let me remind you, take a moment and remember where you were. And when you look at where you were when he finds you, when, is it not now that he's worthy of your worship to know that he redeemed you? He destroyed yokes that were on you. He broke the bonds, the chains, the, the 
the lies. He destroyed everything the enemy said about you. And he spoke life. He spoke liberty. He spoke love over your life. He restored you. He picked you up. You were in the pit. You were about to go down. But in came a hand and reached up and pulled you up. Is he not worthy of some kind of crazy worship? Notice what God was seeking. They are the kind. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Dominion Church, I don't just want to be a God-seeking church. I want to be a church that God seeks after. God is looking. His eyes are wandering to and fro. But do you know what he's looking for? He's not looking for the best preacher. He's not looking for the most talented uh, 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 musicians. God is looking for a people that understand who he is and understand the magnitude of what he's done and begin to lift up a worship that declares it. Regardless if the keyboard is in tune, regardless if the drums are in, regardless if the lights flicker, regardless if the singer is singing out of tune, there is an understanding that worship is more than a performance, but it's the presence of God coming and dwelling in the midst of us. We've made worship into a 20 minute segment where we engage, we express some kind of devotion. But the reality of it is, it's to some become an opportunity to watch another band play. You want another band play? Go to Carolina Nightlife this Saturday night. There'll be another band playing. You want a band to play? Go on YouTube. Look up your favorite secular band and sit there and watch videos. Because the reality of it is, is worship is not another band gig. Worship is a call to the people of God to get their focus off of everything in your life that is distracting you and put it back on the one that is attracting you. Put your eyes back on the one that's calling your name. Put your eyes back on the one that has his hand stretched out to you. Get your eyes off of everything else and put your eyes on him. Jesus quotes Isaiah in Matthew 15 and 8. And he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In verse 9 he says, and their worship is sparse, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Their worship is sparse. Lips, but no heart. Catch that. Lips, but no heart. Lips, but no heart. Let me ask you something tonight. When you're gathered in a moment of worship, is it just your lips? Because if it is, he's not looking for your sound. He's looking for your surrender. And, and, and what he's really seeking after is what is coming from your heart, not what's coming from your lips. There's a lot of people that can give God good lip service. But the Bible's clear. Jesus said they're nothing but hypocrites. They praise me with their lips, but they live a life in their heart that is far from me. It's, it's got nothing that, that, that wants to do with me. It's got nothing to, that wants to attract me. The reality of it is they sing my songs but don't know my presence. True worshipers don't just worship God through lip service. They worship him through selfless service. They surrender. They submit. They give it all to God. True worshipers aren't worried about what's coming out of their mouth. They're worried about what's coming out of their heart. David, a true worshiper, said, search my heart, 
O God, and see if there is any unclean thing within me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. In other words, God, it's not what's coming out of my mouth, but what is coming out of my heart. Because the Bible says the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, you got to get this right before God ever looks at what's coming out of here. The reality of it is the heart is the well, the mouth is the bucket. What's in the well comes out on the bucket. Real worship in the heart will produce real worship from your lips. Psalms 100. The whole psalm says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Some people are like, I don't know about that church, it's too loud. Well, that's funny because I'm fulfilling Psalms 101 that said, shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. You say, I don't know, he's too loud. Good, bro, because I ain't shouting for you anyways. I'm shouting to the Lord. Because he's worthy, he's worthy of my praise, he's worthy of everything. I cannot help but be loud when I think about Jesus. Verse 2 said, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with singing and with joy. Boy, what a remedy for worship. Gladness. What would happen if we just got happy when we worshiped the Lord? What happened if our worship produced a holy laughter in the sanctuary? What would happen if while we were worshiping, all of a sudden we got so excited, we just began to become overjoyful? Why do people jump? I'll tell you why. Because joy is overflowing in them. They're not charismatic. They're not, they're not doing it just to do it. They're doing it because something is happening in them. Their body is producing an outward expression of an inward action of the Holy Spirit. Why do people lift their hands? Why do people run? Why do they jump? Why do they shout? Because we're coming into the presence of the Lord, and gladness and joy is bubbling up in us. It's okay to get loose in the presence of God. Come before him with singing and with joy. Now catch the verse 3. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness, his faithfulness continues to each generation. How do we enter? Thanksgiving. We don't have to sing songs of thanksgiving to be thankful. Simple, true worship is often beginning to be expressed by thanksgiving. I want to teach you tonight for a moment what real true worship looks like. True worship will often look like before a song is sung, the people begin to say things like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Will you do this with me right now? Say, thank you, Lord. Now begin to meditate on the goodness of God. Begin to meditate on the mercy of God. Begin to thank him for the things that he's done. Begin to thank him for the things that he's doing. Just begin to thank him. Go ahead, thank him. Go ahead, get vocal. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for where you brought me from. Thank you. Come on, tell him thank you.
sometimes we come in here, we're waiting on a band. But the reality of it is God's not waiting on a band. He's waiting on you. You're the true worshiper in this congregation. You're the real worship team. These guys may be on an altar. They may be on a platform. Their job is simply to lead. But the real worshipers, they're sitting to your left. They're sitting for your right. God's not waiting on a guitar. He's waiting on some of you to sound off. He's waiting on some of you to get thankful, to get grateful, to begin to move because you're praising him. And you're saying, God, you're good. See, if the worship in our church is only conditional on what's on this platform, we've missed the idea of true worshipers. And we've missed God because God is looking for those that know how to worship him truly. For such worshipers, God himself is seeking. Since God is seeking true worshipers, we want to give God the worship in the honor and glory he's due. We've got to become a ministry that understands we're presence-driven people. The presence of God is what we're hungry for. But now catch this. The presence of God is only seated in a place called praise. The Bible says that he will inhabit, he will sit down. That word literally means, that word that, that he inhabits, literally means that he will sit down a chair in the midst of. God will sit down a chair in the midst of his people. Where God inhabits, God sits down in a chair in the praise of his people. Literally, as we begin to praise God and we begin to worship God, God comes and he settles in a, in a place, he settles in a congregation and in a sanctuary. And what he does is he sits down, he sits sits down. Now catch this. He puts the kabod. He puts the weight upon what he is seated on. What is he seated on? He's seated on the praise of his people. Literally when does the glory come into the room? The glory comes in when the people of God begin to praise him and God says that's a place that I can sit down on. That's a place I can put my weight on. That's a place I can be dependent on. That's a place that I can plant myself. I don't want to be a church that God stands in. I want to be a ministry that God sits in, that his presence sits in, that his glory sits in, that his praise comes and gathers him together to his people, that as praise goes up, the blessings come down, that when he's lifted high, all of a sudden everything else diminishes, everything falls, everything comes down because there's somebody in the house that knows how to praise him and worship him for who he is and what he's done and for such God himself is seeking I want to give you a couple points before we transition in service to worship what is true worship I'll tell you true worshipers worship God with all I love the way that Hebrews said in Hebrews 12 and 28 he said therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Go back to verse 28. And with reverence and awe. With reverence and awe. Why are we worshiping God in true worship? Because we're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Come on, somebody. Anybody that you've been trying that you feel like the enemy's been trying to shake you, let me tell you something. He ain't shaking anything that he can't shake because the reality is, is what cannot be shaken will not shake. So when you are seated in God, you're in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
He said, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. God, I thank you. God, I thank you, Lord. Lord, my marriage may be falling apart, but Lord, I thank you because you're good and I know that everything is falling into place. God, I thank you, Lord. I may have lost my job, but God, you own the hills, the cattle own the hills. God, I thank you, Lord. My help comes from the Lord. I lift up my eyes unto the hills from where cometh my help. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done, for what you're doing, and for what you're going to do. I've got an expectation, God, unto you and your spirit, God, that you are good. So worship God acceptably. Let me tell you something. If you can worship God acceptably, you can worship him unacceptably. There is a worship that God will not accept. Ah, my God, I said there is a worship that God will not accept. It's a worship that says, look at me. It's a worship that tries to get focus off of, uh, off of God and onto themselves. Here, catch this. His name was Lucifer. He was the leader of the praise and worship team in heaven. But let me tell you what happened. The little prideful praise and worship leader tried to get the focus off of God and get it onto himself. My God, I am preaching and teaching tonight. And when he did, he offered an unacceptable worship. The unacceptable worship, now watch this. If real worship brings the presence, unacceptable worship will expel the presence. My God, and Satan got kicked out because he offered unacceptable worship. I want to praise. I want to worship. I want to be a part of a church that he comes and sits in, not one he slams the door on and writes Ichabod above the door that the glory has departed. I want a place that he says the Kabod is here. It is here. The glory of God, the weighty presence of God is seated in the sanctuary. But how do we have that? It's not through gifted musicians. It's not even through anointed singers on a platform. It's a congregation. It's a family. It's a church that understands God is requiring just as much of a sound from you as he is this platform. Some of you don't like it when worship is going on. People get happy. They take off running. They start jumping. They start clapping. It's such a distraction. Let me tell you why it's a distraction. Because you're watching it and you're not watching God. Why don't you get your eyes off of them? Get your eyes off of it. Why don't you start worrying about what your worship to God looks like? Maybe there's room for a shout. Maybe there's room for a run. Maybe there's a room for a dance. Maybe your worship's got something that'll unlock something in the room. Maybe God's waiting on you. Real true worshipers worship with awe. It's reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. The Bible says Moses walks by a bush. The bush is burning, but it's not consumed. He stops to see the sight. Why? He's awestruck. He's awestruck. Our God is a consuming fire. When the fire of God comes in our services, it will produce an awe from the people. Mouths will drop. Musical instruments will stop playing. Songs will cease to be sung because the fire of God has settled in the sanctuary. 
People will not have to be able to say a word. They won't even be able to say a word. Some will fall on their face. Some will burst out in tears. Some may roll on the floor in laughter. But the reality of it is, is in that room, the awestruck wonder of God has stepped in. The people are captivated by his presence. They're calling catapulted into his glory. It's there in that place that people are saying, my God is an awesome God. Psalms 95 and 6 says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. See, the reality of it is, is the wise men bowed before Jesus. Peter, in revelation that Jesus was the Lord, after a pile of stinky fishes laying in his boat, the Bible says he fell to his knees in the midst of flopping, sloppy fish. And there he said, Lord, depart from me, for you're Lord. I'm a wicked man. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. It's an understanding that real worship brings awestruck, and every day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. I want you to know sometimes when you see people hit their knee, it's because they're in the awestruck wonder of an awesome God who's worthy that they bow down and surrender and say my God you're an awesome God I don't even deserve to be in your presence that's why people bow that's why people when the presence of God comes you'll see people lay out on the floor you'll see people surrendered submitted they'll do things that that may not be normally done somebody answer the phone Jesus is calling hallelujah (laughs) See, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. What does awestruck worship look like? It's overcome. It's overwhelmed. And it's overflowing with gratitude. I'd ask you, when's the last time that you were stunned and shaking in the presence of God? When's the last time? Or has his songs become like a dull melody? Or have you forgotten in which he delivered you from? Have you forgotten where you were when he found you? Because the reality of it is, is complacent worship is often directed to, to complacent relationship. And what we, what we do is we get in a place where he's no longer deserving of our utmost praise and worship. He's no longer deserving of clapping and lifted hands and shouts of praise and hallelujahs and glory to God. Because we become complacent in a presence that we were called to live in. I can remember a time in my life, still this day, where I was stunned and shaken by the power of God. One time in particular, some may laugh, but I used to sing on the praise team. And <laughs> see, some of y'all are already laughing. I used to sing on the praise team in the old little church I was saved in in Sumter. And I sang specials, I did. And I played harmonica. (laughs) Touch not the Lord's anointed. But I'll never forget, it may have sounded terrible. It really may have. But I'll never forget in that moment in that service, I was in the back worshiping while others were singing. But I'll never forget it. The presence of God came in that room in such a way while I was supposed to be singing and helping lead the congregation in worship. I was so overcome by the presence of God. I'll never forget, I began to tremble and shake. I had to quit singing 
And I eventually fell to my face and I just laid there and wept for the remainder of probably 45 minutes in that church. What am I saying? When's the last time that you were stunned and shaken and awestruck because worship elevated you to a place of his presence that you were captivated by him. It didn't matter who was in the room. It didn't matter who was looking at you. All you knew is that you had his focus. His eyes were locked with yours and you were embraced in an entanglement of love and intimacy. It was there in that moment that it didn't matter who was around because you got the attention of the one true living God and he was wanting to spend a moment with you. When's the last time you had an experience like that? True worshipers worship with awe. The second thing I want to tell you is real true worshipers worship abandon. 2 Samuel 6 tells the story of when the Ark of the Covenant had finally arrived in the city and David, King David, led the way worshiping. But how did he lead the way worshiping? Abandon. Abandon. Watch. And 6 and 14 said, And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. With all of his might. What was that kind of worship? It was worship that said he was giving it God, he was giving God his all. It was that kind of worship that he didn't care what anyone thought. He was worshiping his God. What would happen in our churches if the people of God got together and they started not caring about what the person to the left or right thought and all they cared about is they had an opportunity to worship their God? And all, out of all the people, the first to criticize him was his wife. <laughs> she said, you humiliated yourself. You're the laughing stock of our nation. What are you doing dancing like that? You're supposed to be the king. You're supposed to be dignified. And I love David's response in, in verse 21. And it says, and David retorted to, to Mechel, I was dancing before the Lord. Catch that. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. You ain't seen nothing yet. You thought I looked like a madman. You thought I looked crazy. Let me remind you of something. I was worshiping before the Lord. In other words, you may have been watching, but I wasn't doing it for you to spectate. I was doing it to participate with what he was doing. I was worshiping. I didn't care who was watching. I didn't care how crazy it looked. I was willing to get lost and undignified in the presence of God because he's worthy of my worship. Why did David worship? Because of who God is. And because of what he had done, David simply said, I can't do nothing but give him praise. I understand maybe not everybody understands that statement here tonight. But I know there's a few in this house that do. I can't help but praise him. I can't help but offer some kind of crazy radical worship because you weren't there the night he came through. You weren't there. You don't know how low I was. You don't know how down and out I was. You don't know the night that I grabbed the pistol and contemplated suicide. You don't know the night that I looked at the bottle and, and looked at it and wondered, could I just take this many and be done away with it? You weren't there. And now there he is standing before me, embracing me with love. And now he's called me to be a part of his family. And now I feel restored. I feel revived, and I don't want to die. I want to live for the glory of God. You don't know because you weren't there. That kind of worship is only produced from a place that people that understand his worth. 
Worship and worth are directly connected because what they understand is that he's worthy, worthy of all the glory, worthy of all the honor, worthy of all the praise. It's more than a church saying, it's an understanding. The third thing I want to tell you is how do true worshipers worship? We worship in awe. We worship abandon. And the last thing is true worshipers worship with intimacy. David, in Psalms 27 and verse 4, said one thing. Somebody say one thing. I've asked of the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. If I could have one thing, David said, it's not power. It's not things. It's not money. It's intimacy with God. It's dwelling in his house. David said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. David said, one thing I desire. Don't give me thrones. Don't give me kingdoms. Don't give me crowns. Give me his face. Give me his presence. Give me intimacy with him that he knows me and I know him. That we're madly in love with one another. Show me his glory. See, the reality of it is, it's kind of like this. If you asked me about my wife, I could go on and on about details that I love. I love her smile. I love the way she laughs. I love the way that she's a mama. I love the way that she's a hard worker. I love the way that she cares for her family. I love the way that she loves people. I love the way that she leads. I love the way that, that she's passionate. I love the way that she wears her heart on her sleeves, but she comes across as tough as nails. I love her eyes. I love everything. I love when she tickles me. I love when we joke and play. I love when she chases me around the house. I love those things. Do you notice something? I did not have to stop and Google and search what I love about my wife. Why? Because I know her. Because I know her. See, I don't just know her, I know her intimately. And this is what God wants. As we grow to know him, not, we, we don't just know facts about him. Come on, we got a lot of church that know about God, but they don't know God. We got a lot of people that can talk about him, but don't know how to talk to him. See, there is a difference in knowing him and knowing about him. See, real true worshipers are intimate with him. It's not something they know about him. We don't worship from a place of what we know about him. We worship from a place that we absolutely know him. I love the way that God has never left me nor forsaken me. I love the way that he's provided for me, even when it felt like I was down to my last dollar. I love the way that his presence comes when I pray. I love the way that he touches lives, restores marriage, fix families. I love the way that God heals the sick. He raises dead. I don't want to just talk about these things. I'm saying them from a place that knows them intimately. Intimately. Because this is what God wants as we grow to know him. He does not want us just to know facts about him, but intimate knowledge about his character, about his traits, about the goodness. And guess where that comes from? It comes from spending time with him. See, true worshipers worship more than on Sunday and Wednesday. 
They don't just listen to any other kind of music all week long then show up and expect to sing to Jesus on Sunday and Wednesday. That's what I believe God wants for this church. It's people that will worship Him in awe. That'll worship Him from a place of gratitude and acknowledgement. A place of worship that says, God, you're good. You're amazing. I, I'm awestruck. I'm captivated. I'm, I, I'm totally drawn to your presence. I don't care what it looks like. I'm totally abandoned. I'm not, I'm not just full of awe. I'm abandoned. Here I am, God. And not just that, but then it produces an intimacy where it's not just knowing about God, but it is literally knowing him. There's no greater intimacy, I believe, than the intimacy that is demonstrated between a husband and a wife or even a parent and a child. Because sickly in our world, when we say intimacy, we automatically divert to a word called sex. That's the cheap side of intimacy. If that's intimacy, then the reality of it is, is you've been, some of you may have been intimate with a lot of people that weren't deserving of your time. You can have sex with a lot of people. But you can only have intimacy with those that are willing to allow you to know them and you to know, for you to know them and for them to know you. Intimacy, intimacy, into me see. That's what real intimacy is. It's allowing them to look into you and see you completely holy and naked. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. All your mess, all your mistakes, all the things that you fudged up in life and you're saying, here I am. But then guess what? That kind of intimacy produces a permission to look in him and like Isaiah did and said, woe is me for I am undone. I'm unclean. And there have a revelation that we get to see him. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Intimacy produced the ability for him to see beyond the natural realm and look and see God in an element he had never seen him before. True worshipers worship from a place of intimacy. My last scripture, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Psalms 141 says, Accept my prayer, verses 1 and 2, as an incense offered to you, and my upraised hands as an evening offering. You know what the most amazing part is? People don't raise their hands in charismatic churches. People don't raise their hands in Pentecostal churches. People don't raise their hands in Baptist churches. A church that raises their hands is a church that understands victory and surrender are symbolized in this prophetic act. It's only in this act. Why do people raise their hands in worship? Why do, I'll tell you why. It's the most incredible prophetic act that literally a boxer, when he wins, his hands are raised. But when a soldier is being taken captive and surrenders, his hands he raised. It is the only single act where victory and surrender are both spoken. My God, hear me tonight as I help you. When you begin to worship and you lift your hands in worship, you're not just declaring surrender, you're declaring victory. And the victory that comes through your surrender, your hands lifted, you're saying, Yes to God, but yet you're surrendering to his will. Stand with me all over the house as we prepare to go to the Lord and worship. Come on, worship team. So what does the culture of the worship look like here at Dominion Church? I envision people 
so passionate to, to worship that they arrive early, that they begin to show up to prayer meetings knowing that worship is first produced in prayer. I envision and see people who have heard from God during the week, seeing God work in their daily lives and being transformed even more by His grace. They worship with passion and they can't wait to join together with other believers to give God their best in worship. The reality of it is in this part of the service of what we're about to conduct in, you've got an opportunity right now to be awestruck by God, to totally abandon everything and every thought and every idea of self. You've got a moment right here, right now, to become intimate with God, with His plans, with His purposes for your life. You've got an opportunity right now not to just hear the Word, but become a doer of the Word. Dominion Church, hear me. It's not just my heart. It is God's heart for true worshipers to arise in this house knowing that the hour has come and now is the time. It has now come. There's no greater time right now for you to get, to get totally committed, surrendered, and, sur and, and totally submitted into his hand and in worship than right now. Will you start your worship right now? Will you start your worship right now? Congregation, I'm talking to you, not to the people on this platform. Will you start your worship right now? Will you start your worship right now? Will you begin to honor him? Will you begin to give him glory? Will you begin to give him thanks? Enter his courts with thanksgiving. Enter, enter it with praise. Enter into his gates. Enter into his courts. Come on in. Gather together and declare the Lord is good. Begin to thank him. Go ahead and begin to get awestruck over what he's done. Begin to de declare his awesomeness. Begin to get abandoned. Who cares what it looks like? Your hands may be lifted. Tears may be streaming down your face. You're not here for them. You're here for him. And go ahead and get intimate with him. It's more than sex. It is getting close to him and knowing him and allowing him to know you.